Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for joining us. That's right. On this uh, middle of April weekend. Myself and my co-host here, we're both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We spend our weekdays with people like yourself, helping them plan their financial future. And we broadcast on the weekends, being your financial advisors on the air. Yes. And uh, we like to take the calls, questions, try to help people out. Yeah. Make sense of what's going on in the world of finance. And it's, uh, it's the volatility you know, you know, has continued. Well, and the, a little bit more on the upside yeah, yeah. now. <laughs> you know, I was, I was reflecting, Pat, on so Silicon Valley Bank. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about that today, but that what five weeks ago or so, whatever, <clears throat> blew up overnight. In right? overnight, well, it had been long term in the making. Fair, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but what I'm, my point is, there was a risk in that organization that nobody saw. Right, the executives didn't see it. The board didn't see it. The regulators didn't see it. And hindsight's always easy because you can go in and, well, wait, a bunch of idiots. How did you not see that? Right. But no one no one anticipated a bank run. That's what it was. On a, a hot bank. In, in a social media era, era where it was precipitated by a well-respected influencer <laughs> capital, right. um, Peter Thiel, in that particular geography with lots and lots of followers. Here's my reason to bring this up. We all hear about the importance of diversification. Diversification is a strategy not used to enhance returns. Diversification is a strategy used to protect what you've got. It is a risk mitigation technique. When you're in your 20s, Maybe don't diversify. You're working for a, a fast-growing company. Maybe let it ride. If it doesn't work out, you got decades ahead of you to, to make it up. When you're in your 40s, 50s, 50s 60s, and you've arrived or have gotten pretty darn close to being there, or you can see financial security in the near future, independent financial security. That's when it makes sense to divest a bit, diverse your portfolio, there are people, leaders at that bank that had the majority of their wealth tied up in that bank stock because the stock had been doing so great. And it's Silicon Valley Bank. Scott? What could go wrong with Silicon Valley Bank? This conversation brings back waves and waves of memories. Uh, in the 90s, um, with me working with individual clients, I remember the client that had a bunch of HP and Agilent stock, and uh, we diversified away from it. And for the first year that we had diversified away from Agilent, hey, mad at you. the clients were less than happy. Like, why did you do this? Why did you recommend this? This is a terrible strategy. Until it wasn't. So Silicon Valley Bank, was this the third or fourth largest bank failure in history? Something like that. It's way up there. It's a large institution. Blows up overnight. Equity holders wiped out overnight. 16th largest bank in the country. Overnight. 
wiped out. So, Pat, I know there are people listening to us right now that have greater than 50% of their savings tied up in one particular company. Single Most company likely stock. their employer or something they inherited from a family member. And they think, oh, this is such a good company, though. Why do I need to worry about this? Well, they're all good companies for a while. Not all of them. I think about yeah. all the SPACs. <laughs> That's so, a different. But yeah, I just remember even back in Enron, all the people that in Enron had the majority of their 401k in Enron stock. And they said they lost their, re- their retirement well, that's account. That's not that. that, that it, look, they, they knew the risk. No, they, they chose to ignore it. They chose to look past. If you came to a portfolio, uh, this is the I always, when someone comes in and they have a highly concentrated position in an individual company stock and they come in, I'm, I'm not taking new clients on, but when I did and they'd come in and they'd say, well, I've got 50% of my portfolio in this particular company stock, Pat. But here's why it's so good. It's different. Why it's, and then here's my, why I'm not worried about it. You don't understand. My I know response it. to them was you came to me for advice. Let's say you didn't own this company stock. And that you came into my office with a million dollars and I told you to take half of it and buy a individual stock with 50% of it. What would you think of me as a financial advisor? And they said, we think that you'd be a terrible advisor. And then I'd say, well, you're doing it to yourself. Doesn't that make sense for you to diversify? If you just told me if I did it, it's a bad idea. But if you do it and continue to do it, it's an okay idea. And that was the only way I could actually cut through the emotional fog that they lived in that just because I know this doesn't, this makes it okay. And I bet some of you listening right now, this conversation is resonating with you because you have a large concentration in one particular stock and odds are what's going on in your mind is, yeah, but it's been doing so well. I don't really want to, I don't want to, sell any of it yet or yeah but it's down right now so i don't want to sell it now i'm gonna wait till it comes back both are both are poor choices i mean next week tomorrow today you should look at diversifying away if you could sit in this seat remember lady she was gifted a tech stock and she called me and she said i've got five hundred thousand dollars in this particular stock and i said who gave it to you? She said, how do you know someone gave it to you? Because <laughs> she said, had nothing else. <laughs> well, she had some other money, but I said, you wouldn't have made this move. And she said, a relative who started this company gave it to me. And I said, let's start diversifying away from this. True story. She said, we're just going to wait for it to double again. And it doubled. Right? This is during the dot-com. Book. Okay, this is a long time ago. but long yes. time ago. They said, okay, how about now? How about we get rid of half of it now? And she said, no, we're just going to wait for it to double again. And it doubled again. And I said, how about now? Just, and now it's worth a couple it, million bucks? Yeah, over $3 million. Over $3 million, which is life-changing money for a lot of people. It was, it was. This she was, was 20 years ago yeah, as well. Yeah, she was in her mid-40s. Said, you could be done. This is it. All you got to do is Your make financial this one call. Would you just diversify? Pay the tax, so what? Like Forever. Yeah. You got two million bucks cash in the bank. We ended up liquidating that stock in her portfolio three years later 
for less than $100,000. Less than 100000 Less than the value that it was gifted her, to her at. And I'm like, ah, I can't make you do it. I can only make recommendations. And when she said, do you think I should hold it 100000 now you want my advice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that is look, yeah, and there's a chance in a situation like that, you you might sell half of your holdings or two thirds your holdings or a quarter of your and it might keep going higher. And ten years from now you might look back and say, Well, that was foolish. Just like I could look back the last ten years and what I've paid for fire insurance on my house and think, Well, that was foolish. Why did I pay for that insurance? I've never had a, a house fire. I've been a homeowner for 30 years. Now I think about it, I've never had a major claim on it. That's a great analogy, Scott. And I think I must have spent 100 grand in, in uh, insurance over those so years. So if you have California's a, not cheap fire insurance. If you have a highly concentrated position in your portfolio, either in a particular sector or more specifically in a particular company, ask yourself what happens if it falls by? Half, three quarters, or a hundred percent. And then if you say, I don't know what to do, I'm uncertain, sell half the position because you'll be right either way. <laughs> That's right. Sell 50%. So if 50%. it goes down, look how smart you were for selling. If it goes up, look how I'm smart you were for keeping. Right. Sometimes when you don't know exactly what to do, sometimes it's okay to just go up the middle. These are risk mitigation. Like fire insurance on a house. Excellent analogy. Anyway, um, I don't know why I got started with that. but I know uh, why. I know exactly why. Actually, I know why as well. Because we had a, <laughs> I, <laughs> we had a client that had highly concentrated position that was <laughs> affected. Silicon Valley Bank that uh, our advisor had convinced this person to reduce their exposure over, over the, the years. years. And they were still seven figures of reduction of exposure. That's exactly, you're exactly right. That's exactly what it was because I saw that story and um, yeah, maybe proud of the advice that we provide here. Anyway, let's uh, let's take some calls. Eight three three ninety nine worth is the number to be part of All Worth's Money Matters. Eight three three ninety nine worth, and we are in Arizona talking with Dave. Dave, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. How are you doing? We're great. So my question, um, so I kind of. Lay it out simply. I I have about uh, I have about 1.9 sitting in stocks that I've uh, developed on my own, and then at the same time I'm still working at, at a company where I'm still putting into the 401k and getting the match and all those things. And uh, as a result, I have about 251k. So I'm thinking about retiring here, hopefully within a year. Okay. And, uh, I just want to, I'm trying to consider, should I take that 251K and bring it over and turn it into a Roth, like do it like a backdoor or something like how, that? How old are you? 62. What's your income? 160. And when you retire, let's say in a year, where will your income come from? Will you have uh, a pension? Yep, I have a pension. How much will your pension be? It's only it's only about eleven hundred, but then I also have dividends of about nine k per month. 
and then I got uh, Social Security, which I'm not sure when to take it. And when were you thinking of uh, converting this four hundred one k into a Roth? You, so your your stocks are almost all high high dividend stocks. Is that right? Well, actually, it's it's kind of a seventy five twenty five. I got about seventy five in dividend generating month, you know, monthly dividend generating. They're kind of rates, and then they got a about. I want to say about 800K out of the 1.9 is just dividend stocks or just good stocks. And what's the rest? Well, no, that's the combo right there. It's a bunch of REITs. Okay. 1.1 in REITs and about another 800 and something K in the, just other different stocks. I've you, have, you have $1.1 million. So let's add everything together. You have, let's take the 401k and the $1.9 million you have in your brokerage account. So we're at $2.15 million total. And you have $1.1 million of it, real estate investment trust? Type of stocks, yeah. Yep. Are they individuals or are they um, e- uh, they're, ETFs? They're or? Yeah, they're individual stocks. And they're, are, they're all REITs? Yep, they're REITs, yep. Traded REITs. Traded REITs, exactly. How long have you owned these traded REITs? Oh, let's see. Combination, probably some I've had for probably about three years. Others I've had about a year. And what drove you to buy so much in the traded REITs? Uh, Only because of the, I think I started with the whole. The interest, the high dividend. The the yield. That's because you got $9,000 a month, over $100,000 a month in dividends up a $2 million portfolio. Yeah. $1.9 million portfolio. Saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been chasing yield. Yeah, exactly. I mean, of course, I'm looking at the stock. I don't want to get totally blindsided, but that's that's what I'm, you know, seeing which ones are monthly monthly paid versus the other stocks I have, which are not. They're quarterly paid. And okay, and, and did you did this 1.9 million? Is, has this been saving over the years? Did you inherit yeah. this money, or is, did you no. save it? All right, good. No, it's all generated, self generated. Okay, so we're going to answer the Roth question. Um, do you want our opinion on your allocation, or should we just keep it to ourselves? No, geez, obviously. Okay. This, this, this is this is the this is the, this is the good stuff. Um, okay, yeah, because the, the the Roth thing is a pretty easy answer to that. Um, your allocation to this real estate investment trust, the fact that you are actually reaching for yield, scares me some. Um. And, and you've got to remember, the higher the yield on these REITs, on publicly traded REITs especially, the tendency to have more risk in it, which is what drives the yield, mm-hmm. right? So um, I actually – I think you're probably overweighted by at least – well, in a, minim, in a maximum, I wouldn't have any more than 20% of the portfolio and rates at max okay. at max. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. and Scott's shaking his head. Would, yeah. I, Cause you wouldn't have even that much. Well, we don't have that much allocated for our clients. That's right. That's why I said <laughs> so. at max, at max. I, I mean, wouldn't, I can't think not, of any client we have with 20, understand that 20%. I'm rates. not talking about, let's get them from 50% down to a lower number, Scott. Um, you're overly concentrated in this sector uh, significantly, and especially if you're going to be relying on income. Um, and so remember when you're building a portfolio, what you want to think about is total return, right? Right. So pe- people have a tendency to focus on yield or interest yield or how much income it's going to be derived from the portfolio. Mm-hmm. It's the wrong way to look at it. 
you're interested in total return. So what is total return? Total return is capital appreciation, interest, and then dividend, right? So the interest comes from the bonds and the dividends come from uh, dividend paying stocks or real estate. But the capital appreciation is real deal. I mean, think of all the companies you would never own if all she wanted was a high dividend. That's right. That's right. You'd stay out of any growth sector of the economies, uh, yeah. quite frankly. So the, your, the, your, your And point- the REITs can be highly volatile. I mean, last year, the REIT index was down. I just pulled this up. Not that I remember these things off the top of my head. But it was down uh, almost 25% last year, 24.4%. The REIT index was oh, last year. Scott, I, I mean, we're starting to see a weakness in the multifamily, oh, I, I, which – we haven't seen. I mean, there. In fact, there was he's a massive, calling us from Arizona, right? There was a massive uh, uh, bankruptcy foreclosure in, in Arizona mm-hmm. on a REIT, uh, a multifamily, which is apartments. Um, you're you're overly concentrated uh, in this REIT by a long shot on the REIT. And I, my simple statement would be is I just started playing around in it, and I wasn't. Totally 100% reads, but I was playing around with it, just looking at how they're they've been going. That's right. And I I don't know. I mean, should I say a, say, say a stock for you or what? Should you do what? Should I tell you a stock that a read that I have? It, well, it's not no, going to make an opinion on it. It's not going to matter. It's well, I'm only saying it because one of the stocks I had, um, I don't know, I probably had about 300k in. They made an announcement this year that they were cutting their dividend by 26%. Okay. I was like, what? <laughs> and they cited all the, you know, the economic e- economic factors of why they were cutting it down by 26%. And again, I was like, oh, so is that going to be for the rest of my Let race? me ask you this question, Dave. Wait, 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 Scott, let him, let him finish. Right. Let him finish. And, and so what happened to that particular stock? Oh, it did. It dropped by 26%. And I looked at it as, oh, well, I went into it with some good faith thinking, hey, they sound really good. So they just did a surprise announcement that we're cutting it by 26%. And I was like, whoa. And they they stated some economic factors of why they were cutting it. And I was like, oh, well, then is this going to happen to the rest of my, my research? <laughs> so, let me ask you this question. So um, oftentimes when people get closer to retirement and have accumulated more in assets, they use outside advisors to help with this. Have, mm-hmm. have you had bad experience in the past or do you just not feel that it's worth, that it's going to add any value to your life by hiring a good advisor? I, this is the conversation. This is the, this is the prime moment. I mean, for me, I, I haven't really gone to any advisors. Okay. So, so here, here. By the way, so what? To understand why there was a twenty six percent decrease in that particular sector in that particular stock would would require when you said it came as a surprise, it didn't come as a surprise to anyone actually that was tracking um, right. that particular stock or those REITs inside of that, because a large portion has to do with whether their debt is adjustable or not adjustable, and whether the due dates exactly that they actually right. readjust are coming in, because what it did was cause their cost of borrowing to go up, which actually then narrowed their spread between what they expected yield would be if, on their inv- their apartments. If, and- if two years ago you bought an apartment building, a commercial property, a warehouse, I don't care what it was, right? And you used a fixed interest rate financing for seven years, 15, maybe it was something through the Federal Home Loan Board or whatever that, for an apartment, maybe it was a 15-year fixed loan. 
you're in great shape because you're interested. You locked yourself in at a good interest rate. Even if rents declined a little, you should be in fine shape. But mm-hmm. if you if you had variable rate, adjustable rate debt, which a lot of a lot of these buyers had, now your your cost of servicing your your monthly nut on the loan might have doubled, tripled, and it and then some it takes all the, all the profits gone, and and all the profits gone. So you you. you you put risk. You you were going in a direction in order to, to try to alleviate risk and just get yield because you viewed stocks as risk. My guess. And what you did is you inadvertently put yourself in greater in a, risk in greater risk by actually not diversifying the portfolio. So, in a perfect model, you shouldn't have any more than ten percent of your portfolios in REITs. Okay. Okay. And. Uh, and by the way, yes, it could get a lot worse for the REITs. Um, you know, we may have seen most of the damage done in stocks and bonds we to may, date. We, we may, may we may not, but a lot of that damage has been done. I don't think that the damage is done on the REIT sector by a long shot. In fact, which is a personal opinion. Yeah, that right. is a hundred percent personal opinion. We just haven't seen it in the prices in the in the the marketplace. Uh, quite frankly, yet, but it will show up. And when I say in the marketplace, if I'm going to go out and buy a commercial building today, the prices haven't dropped as much as you would expect, but they have in the REITs. So the answer to your question- On your original question. On the answer to your question on your Roth. Yes, it probably makes sense for you to actually do a Roth conversion, but not while you're working. Right. So once you retire- Uh, You've got some great planning opportunity before, especially before you start social security. But what you really need to do is, you know, and may even before you start a pension, if you have the ability to defer it for a year, that's right. Yes. Yes. Now I get to decide when. Yeah, correct. Correct. So you got a deferred vested pension. I mean, a big, a a phenomenal planning. But if you were, Scott, if you were sitting in our office, we wouldn't talk about Roth conversion. We'd talk about portfolio construction. it's, 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 It's a minimus relative to what, Correct. The things you should be working on. The yeah. things you and I know why you got why you've got this way because well, I'm sure you read lots of articles about building income portfolios. Yeah. So that's it. Just yeah. Playing right? around trying to figure out how to keep growing it. That's all. That's that's right. But maybe what, what we shouldn't worry about keep growing it. We should worry about preserving it and then growing yeah. it. Yeah. Right. How do we? Well, the key is how do we make sure at this point that Dave has financial security so that he can retire in the next year or two, and never have to worry about going back to work, never have to worry about changing his lifestyle. My guess is that's more important to you than which REIT you own or. Yep. You need that's quality. Right. You 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 should pay for quality advice. Quite frankly. Yeah, I would get a good certified financial so, planner. Anyway, I'm sorry um, we didn't give you the. I'm glad you called, though. I truly am glad you called. If you were my brother, here's here's what I told a relative recently. I said, what are you doing reaching for yield and putting risk on the part of the portfolio that shouldn't have the risk in it? I told my own relative that. I go, you're buying these high-yield bonds for such a large percentage of your portfolio? Why 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 are you putting that risk in the part of the portfolio that shouldn't have the risk in it? Maybe right. you should recognize what part of the portfolio should have <laughs> the right. real risk in it and what shouldn't. And that's what you've done is exactly what my relative did, who, by the way, much like yourself, he pays for some advice. <laughs> well, I mean, and look, I, and Dave, so much appreciate the call. I kind of understand why, um, first of all, people are listening to this thing. Well, these guys are self-serving because they're advisors. Oh, fine. I, I, uh, yeah. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> 
but I don't need to keep doing. I mean, like, there's a lot of different career paths I could choose. <laughs> Frankly, I think I see the value we bring to a good advice brings to clients. But I think our industry as a whole, there are so many lousy advisors out there that people call themselves advisors. They're just product salesmen. Most people have been burned by somebody over the years being sold something that's not they didn't really want or need or that sort of thing. So, I mean, I do understand why people continue to just go it alone. And look, for maybe maybe 5% of the population doesn't need an advisor. It's probably smaller than that. Yes. And typically when people have larger savings, one, they can say, well, I can afford an advisor. So and like, even if it costs me something, like they'll have a tendency to seek it out. And quite frankly, that's where Dave's at. This is a pivotal point in his life where he needs to make sure going right in there, insight. right there. How do I get to the end of it? And it's it's not at all uh, atypical when somebody getting near that point to start. Yeah, look at and there's still to your point, Pat. If you build a portfolio strictly for income, and in and that's your main driver, you're going to end up with portfolios that are out of whack. That's right. Or you're going to own stocks of companies that are no longer growing or maybe in decline. Yeah, actually, so it was interesting. Scott, Scott and I looking into each other, when he told us how much income his portfolio was deriving and it was 100% stock, we were like, oh what did gosh. he put in this? Yes. Without even us, him telling us about how much he had in REITs, yeah, yeah. we knew that it was... Not the S&P 500. That's right. Yeah. We're taking a quick break. Uh, we'll take some more calls when we get back. This is All Worth Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McLean, thanks for sticking with us. I assume. <laughs> no, I don't know. That's presumptuous. Well, if you're a podcast listener, the break was about two seconds. I don't think there was was. Any, we run any ads in there. I don't. I've, I We're don't. not going to sell. We're certainly not going to sell our time to people who hawk products. Yes. Because that's not uh, not what what we no. do, unless <laughs> well, I'll tell you what right, we're gonna take the, we're gonna go to Bill here in a moment, Bill, thanks for being patient with us. but like years ago, we've been in this industry a long time, thirty plus there used to be something called soft dollars, yes, the soft dollars, soft dollars, and a soft dollar was um. Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, strong mutual fund. I don't know if I should mention the name. There was a mutual fund company, a large mutual fund company years ago that had hired a um, an industry consultant, a, an economic consultant of sorts, for favors. And so this, uh, this consultant uh, was able to get a bunch of uh, visas to some country last minute all by his connection. He had... Came from the government previously, right? His revenue, the way he earned his money, was not by these companies writing him a check. It was they would direct trades, their clients' trades. This doesn't have anything to do with us. No, 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 no. No, no. They would direct their clients' trades through his firm so that uh, the commissions that were generated would go into his pocket. So rather than finding best execution, rather than looking at how do I get the best price for my customers, my clients, which is the mutual fund clients. 
Instead, you're placing trade. Those were called soft dollar trades used all the time with investment management firms and frankly, still used to this day on uh, people paying for, um, for research soft, soft dollar dollars. trades. We'll put some trades through you. We'll give you a drop a ticket. And the reason for that is there's two components to a mutual fund. There is the mutual fund owner, which actually owns the mutual fund, which is you who invest money in the mutual fund. And then there's a mutual fund management company that charges fees to manage that mutual fund. Why would I just think of the soft dog? Our industry is getting never. I had remet when you, I had forgotten that story completely. Until uh, you it, was, it was one of those times in, in life when you look at something and thinking that may be le legal, but that is highly unethical. That's right. I remember looking at the guy as he's telling me that his business plan. No, he was like proud of himself. I, I but so, it's because I said we don't do advertising, and I said unless. Oh yeah, yeah. Because so don't. no, we don't. We're we don't. hard and rules on things. We don't. I was those things are slippery slopes. I was joking when I said unless. All right, let's uh, let's take some. <laughs> let's they want to give me a new car. In which case, <laughs> I will read an ad for you, and right here I will tell you, yes, it's a beautiful Mercedes. I know because Mercedes I've, gave me listen, one. I've I've heard uh, financial advice. I think Susie Orman got in trouble for this years ago for pitching Ford or GM's some leases or something like that. And, and a city, a large city, there's a prominent financial advisor. He reads ads for a Mercedes dealership, and I'm thinking, whatever, well, whatever, whatever. Yeah, you're not going to find us selling uh, cars. Not that there's anything wrong with selling cars. There's not a knock on that. But okay, let's as go. independent <laughs> advisors, we want to have our interests as closely aligned with clients as possible. All right. We're in Colorado talking with Bill. Bill, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, guys. Hi, Bill. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. We appreciate you. <clears throat> so I, I don't know if I, it, I can form this as a question, but um, I'm just looking for additional uh, input and insight uh, when – uh, I'm making big purchases. Okay. Uh, my my wife and I are uh, recently retired, and uh, we we have a house in Colorado. Uh, we sold a house we had previous to that, and now we've repurchased a new house there. Uh, and now it, we're really really quick to, on on that. So you you had a house probably lived in for a number of years, sold it, bought a new right. house in Colorado. Did you move up in right. price? Or down in price? Uh, no, actually, it was about uh, across a little bit down. Okay, price. okay. But, but we did make some, you know, some money off of it, and so uh, that's part of the equation here. The other thing is, is uh, we're interested in finding a place in Arizona, and so maybe something like a townhome, and maybe for around three hundred thousand. Okay, as our upper limit. But um, uh, so my. I guess my question is, I'm trying to get as much input as I can. I have two different financial advisors since you were talking about advisors. <laughs> uh, and and um, I, I, I really trust you guys in uh, how you dissect things. And so I said, man, I'm yeah, good. I appreciate the call. <laughs> uh, do, you have, do, you, do you have kids or grandkids in Arizona? We, we have one kid in Arizona okay. and one, one in Colorado. Okay. Uh, right. we're, we're, we're both retired, so uh, we have you know fixed income with uh, um, our our uh, you know social security, and then I uh, have a pension uh, uh, income. But uh, we have uh, from our house sale of uh, two hundred fifty five thousand there, 
and uh, I also have some inheritance of about fifty thousand. And so what I'm trying to figure out. And what, is, and what do you owe on? Do you have a mortgage on your primary home? I do. It's a hundred and eighty k. In in thirty year fixed. Two, it's thirty year fixed, yes, sir. We have uh, two IRAs uh, uh, of about eight hundred and fifty k. Um, and again, the two, com- combined. Two, I'm sorry to ask. The combined value correct, is eight fifty. Yes, okay. Yeah. And then the house sale was 255k. Uh, we've got savings of 25k um, and, and an inheritance of, like I said, about 50,000. Okay. So there's a few different ways that we were thinking we could possibly go, and, and this is what I was looking for in, uh, input from you. And that is, is it maybe good to possibly, given the interest rates we have these days, is it good to possibly pay off? Buy, buy a house, let's say it's 300000 I could probably put together the, the funding to do that, and then I wouldn't have a house payment. Yes, I uh, like that. Or, or, or should we uh, put partial down, uh, maybe 200000 from the previous house sale, and then have 50000 to help furnish the house, as well as put, uh, uh, maybe make monthly payments to help out with that for a while. What's the interest rate on your primary mortgage? I'm sorry, before you go to the third, what's your interest? That's right. 2.6, I think. Okay. All right. And what was your third alternative? Oh, the third alternative is just to finance the majority of it and keep cash. What, what's, Uh, what's the income from your social security and pension? uh, 65. And do you live comfortably on that? But we, we do well. Yes, sir. Okay. And how old are you? I'm I'm 70 and my wife uh, is 57. Okay. I'm excuse me, 57. I was, okay, I was going to say, wow, okay, big spread. <laughs> um, <laughs> so here here is um, here here's I'm not worried about purchasing the home. You could purchase the home. I, I'm worried about what your lifestyle would look like by uh, servicing. Let's assume we paid cash for these houses. Okay. Um. You'll have very little left over on a monthly basis after you're taking care of uh, all the maintenance and of all of those things. Do you like to travel? Do you vacation or would you just move between these two houses and we'll call it quits? Probably the latter because it's it's so hot in Arizona, but and then it gets so cold and Oh, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it oh, sounds like a I, I we and have, a kid in each spot. I mean, it's like it sounds like a perfect situation. I, it, it, I was on a Zoom meeting this morning with a guy that lives in New Jersey, but he was on a Zoom meeting from his house in uh, in Phoenix. Um, are you are you taking uh, income from your IRA right now, or have you the last couple of years? No, we had, uh, we, we you know a couple thousand here and there, but no, nothing not really. to speak and, of. And I don't, I'm not ready for RMD yet. I still got a few years there, so. Well, I would pay, if I were to do it, uh, I would try to do it all cash. I wouldn't put any debt on it whatsoever. Um, But that's not what worries me. Okay. Uh, What worries me is what your... How much is your pension? I'm not, I don't think I'm as worried as Pat is. How, what what is your pension a year? Uh, So it's 2,000 a month. So 24,000. And uh, if if you if you were to pass away today, what would your spouse get? Half, twelve thousand. And your social security between the two of you is forty forty one thousand dollars a year. Yeah. 
So Scott, if you did a five percent distribution on the four hundred one k on the IRAs, so that puts you at about forty k a year. So if you needed to do that, you'd be at a hundred and five thousand a year, and you'd be supporting uh, the two houses. You you'd leave that debt on that mortgage on, on your, your existing house yeah. forever. You're going to die with that. Correct. Correct. What's that house Correct. worth? Uh, now probably five, five hundred thousand. And have you spent any time? Have you ever rented a place in Arizona? Are you pretty confident that you'll be there a good chunk of? The, I mean, with your with your family there, this answers the question. Right, probably. we're thinking maybe five months a year. Yeah, I mean, it, typically I would recommend someone go rent something first, but considering your uh, your daughter's already there, you have a grand grandkids yeah. there. No. Not yet. No, no. Yeah, I'd pay cash for it, and um, I'd pay cash for it. And maybe take a little small distribution from your IRA on a monthly basis to help make up the income needs. That's right. I mean, look, Pat, if you look 10 years, if at some point down the road you get a little more cash strapped, you could always sell one of the houses. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. And you may end up selling the one in Colorado and living in Arizona. Correct. Or yeah, or get a small have a small mortgage on it. Under a hundred thousand. Right. Why would you take a mortgage though, Scott? Just to not drain off the yeah, IRA. Yeah, because he's got he's he'll be left with almost nothing in the bank. But the money in the IRA is completely yeah. You can liquid. take you can take a little from the IRA to. Yeah, I try to pay place. cash and I try to stay under the three hundred thousand dollar mark, and then I'd pull any money out for furniture or whatever, drapes, whatever the heck people put in houses. Do they still put drapes in houses. Yeah. Um, uh, I would take that. Um, I don't know because we did a remodel and I saw what they were going to charge me for a flipping rod, a drape rod. I'm like, sorry, like this is. Re I'm not spending that on a drape rod. Go find me something different. Yeah. <laughs> get the burlap. It's like amazing. I, get yeah, the burlap this. like what I grew up with. Um, yeah, you can make a swing. You could do that. Uh, try to stay under the $300,000 mark. I wouldn't be in any hurry either because you're a cash buyer. I just wouldn't in this marketplace. And I'm not telling you I know where the market's going, but I wouldn't be in a hurry to purchase a home. Scott? Yeah, I would agree. And I wouldn't worry about the interest rates. I'd, I'd pay cash for 100% of it. Yeah, I don't know what the okay. market's doing in, in Arizona. I, it, you, and you might want to just say, why don't we just go lease a place for a year? Yeah, it wouldn't be a bad idea either. I don't see, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm like, I can't predict the future, right? It's real estate prices could be higher a year from now. They could be lower a year from now. But <laughs> if I had to make a wager, which is what you're looking at doing, like the odds of Arizona property values being worth more a year from now than they are today seem pretty small to me. I don't see where the demand is going to come from. We've also, we've already seen a shrinkage in the, in the, at least the acceleration of rents in Arizona. They seem to be coming back on themselves. I most certainly. So you're going to go but down. I could the, be wrong. Maybe it's higher than, I don't know. Yeah. But he's not going to go down to Arizona right now when, well, you could in the next month or two, but you won't be there in July or August. Um, Unless he finds a great deal on a house that someone needs to sell quickly. That's right. So don't be in a hurry, but uh, I'd be opportunity. Yeah, I'd be opportunity. I don't know if I'd leave something. Good point. You're probably not going to want something in the summer, but I would, it may not be a bad time to be looking and look for a good opportunity. So, but you can make it. You can make it work. Hey, by the way, sure. you still. But what did your other advisors tell you to do? Um, it, I, we got. I, I guess I got a mix. One said, "Well, one thing. It was more like." Um, you know, put partial down and then use use uh, the rest to 
help you uh, with with monthly payments and then furnishings. And then the uh, the other was um, it, she, she never really gave us you know a really clear direction. But um, yeah. The, By the way, Bill, know, I think it's a good i way. I think this is a good idea for you. You're, se- you're 70 and 67. Um, family's important to you. You want to be closer to your, your daughter in Arizona. Um, I'm assuming right. that you all have a good relationship and enjoy seeing each yeah. other on a more frequent yeah. basis, right? Um, Absolutely. And for most people, for not everybody, for a lot of people, that those family relations are the most valuable thing in their lives. That's right. And I got to say, I see these that ads. That is for me. I see these ads, all these retirees traveling, and I think to myself, that is so aspirational because if you talk to most retirees and you say you're going to go on a <laughs> safari in Africa, it's going to take you a day and a half to get there. Most the of flight's going to be delayed. They're going to lose your luggage. It's going to be uncomfortable. Um, by the way, you can't eat or drink a lot of the food that you're going to get when. Um, right. Th- th- that's all aspirational, but when you really talk to like real retirees, over fifty percent say, "Yeah, I don't plan on. Re- I don't. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not." I'm not traveling, right? And your objective, Bill, at this stage in life is not to make sure you live a lifestyle to have the highest net worth the day you die, right? It's to enjoy. You've worked hard. You've got a pension. You've put money into Social Security. Your house is almost paid. You've got cash in the bank. And you've got um, almost a million bucks in your retirement account. Enjoy. Yeah. I think it's a good move for you. Exactly right. And I tell my wife that. I said, you know, we've worked our tails off all, all these years and my gosh we need to and look maybe you'll live maybe you'll both live another 25 years maybe but maybe you won't right and it's correct it's having that balance so hey bill really appreciate yep. the fact you called we, unfortunately we are running out of time in a program uh we uh want to let you guys know we've got this coming wednesday april 19th pat and myself are going to be in the studio just taking phone calls so this program, we tend to, sometimes we take record calls earlier, whatnot, but we're going to have just a time in the studio between 1 and 2.30 p.m. Pacific time to take your calls. And if you want to join us, uh, you can um, sign up at moneymatters.com, um, questions at moneymatters.com. Just send us an email, questions at moneymatters.com. Or you can call on that day at 833-99-WORTH. Um, it's been great being here with you all, and we appreciate you being listeners of All Worth. Uh, by, if you, by the way, if you haven't given us a review in a while, please do so. And if this has been helpful to you, pass it on to one of your friends. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.